Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to the Munganas St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Here's the pitch. A swing and a high fly ball. This could be trouble. It's at the wall. And it's a gunner. He scores! Now, sports on a Sunday morning on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to the show. Tom Ackerman with you. Gary Pinkle will be with us in just a moment as we get ready for a discussion with one of the great college football coaches this area has ever seen. Gary Pinkle and his team, just awesome, weren't they, through the years as he was able to take this team to the SEC championship. He had a number one in the nation at one point, and he is the winningest coach in Mizzou history. We are going to hear from Gary Pinkle and a very important event coming up for him as well. Also this hour, John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations, will talk to us about the club. We'll have a visit with him from Jupiter, Florida. And then we'll also catch up with Dick Lozer. What a great story. A St. Louis Amateur Baseball Hall of Famer. And he is going to be with us at 1130 this morning before we take you to Cardinal Baseball. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Gary Pinkle the former Mizzou coach on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munganass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munganass St. Louis Honda on South Lindbergh on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Well, having a little difficulty reaching Gary Pinkle. I know he's ready for us because he tweeted about us. He just tweeted a few moments ago that he's getting ready to go on KMOX Radio to talk about his great night coming up, an evening with Chase Daniel and Gary Pinkle. He said about to go live with Tom Ackerman on KMOX to benefit the Mizzou Tiger Scholarship Fund and GP Made. He said the interviews at 11.05, he tweeted it, so I know he's ready. We just are having some trouble reaching him on his phone, but we'll get to him in just a moment. Cardinal Baseball coming to you on KMOX just around the corner. Let's take a listen to what happened yesterday. Wind blowing in from left, the pitch. Swing and a line drive off the first baseman's glove to the second baseman. Nobody's covering first, so he throws the second. He gets the force out down there. Uh, it was a heck of a play. It goes three, four, six. 
And a run scores, and it's one nothing Cardinals. Boy, they're letting out Jose Altuve have it wherever he goes. Same thing in in Jupiter. Next pitch from Gant. There's a fly ball in the left field. O'Neill goes back. He's at the track, and he makes the one-handed catch for the out. Boy, Altuve hit that ball hard. He gave it a good ride for sure. They like to see him recording out. They're also all over Carlos Correa, the Astros shortstop for the sign-stealing scandal. Here's Paul Goldschmidt in the third. Taylor has his sign from Maldonado. His next delivery. Line drive in the left field. The left fielder can't get there, so Paul Goldschmidt rounds first. And he holds it up there. So the first hit of the game comes courtesy of Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt with the hit. He was one for three yesterday, hitting 278 on the spring. Here's a little defense. Line drive to Colton Wong. They tried to get the double, but they couldn't. Nice play by Colton Wong as Korea scorched one right up the middle. Wong was playing toward the bag, and he made a nice backhanded play. The Grand Korea made the out. Cardinals fans like that. Fourth inning, Matt Weeders. So a 3-2 count. The runner is going. That's Molina. There's a line drive down the right field line. Is it going to stay fair? It does. Molina's around second. Motor in the third. They're going to wave him around. Here he comes to home. Here's the throw, and he is safe at, at, at home plate. And the Cardinals now take a 2-0 lead. Weeders with the RBI. Lane Thomas with a single in the fourth. Here comes Colton Wong. Thomas has his lead from first. The pitch on the way. There's a ground ball past the first baseman. Another run will score. Thomas goes to third. Wong turns the corner. He's going to go into second base. And now they're going to try and bring Thomas to score. No throw for nothing. And the Cardinals with that big lead of four to nothing and good pitching all the way around. Four scoreless innings for John Gant. Three innings, one run allowed for Austin Gomber. Bottom of the seventh, Edmundo Sosa. And a hard hit ball to right field. That's carrying to the track, and it is gone. Home run the other way, Edmundo Sosa with two outs in the seventh inning, and the Cardinals now lead 5-1. to one. They won it by that count. 5-1 to one was the final. The Cardinals get the W, and they play today against the Marlins. And again, that lineup looks pretty strong today. Now, Matt Carpenter struck out three times yesterday. He's a little bit of a loop in his swing, Rick Horton noticed. And he is coming off a tight back, so we'll keep an eye on that situation. But for right now... The lineup today looks pretty good. I'm not saying this is an open day lineup, but it's close. Colton Wong, the second baseman, leading off. Again, get used to that. Tommy Edmond batting second and playing third base. Might want to get used to that also, whether it's Carpenter or Edmond batting second. Paul Goldschmidt bats third. He's the first baseman. Paul DeYoung has been very good so far as the cleanup hitter. He bats fourth. Yadier Molina batting fifth behind the plate. Right fielder Dexter Fowler bats sixth. Tyler O'Neill is the DH today. He's batting seventh. Harrison Bader is in center field batting eighth. And Dylan Carlson is the left fielder batting ninth for the Cardinals today with Dakota Hudson on the mound. We'll talk about Carlson, about Jaira Munoz, who left the team and then was cut, and about the pitching situation and everything else that's on the way with John Moselock at 11.20 as the Cardinals take on the Marlins today at 12.05. We are certainly looking forward to that. We're going to be joined by Gary Pinkle, the football coach at the University of Missouri for many years, and we'll bring him on now. Gary Pinkle is with us as he joins us on the line at 11.16 here on Sports on a Sunday Morning. How are you, Coach? I'm doing okay, except I'm out here running on the ocean, and I forgot I was supposed to do this call. <laughs> oh, that's all right. And I saw, well, I saw your, there was a tweet that uh, came from, 
from you about it. And we got, of course, all excited about your event that's coming up. And it is going yeah. to be on the way with uh, Chase Daniel benefiting the Tiger Scholarship Fund and GP Made. Tell us about that. Yeah, it's going to be a, their spring game is uh, on the Saturday, and it's Good Friday is the, the date, and uh, that's that we're doing this. And what we what we're trying to do is is obviously this is about raising money for a Tiger Scholarship Fund. It's raising money for our GP Made Foundation, and both of them we we do with kids, just helping kids in many different ways. So that's what we thought. I called Chase up, and he was going to be in San Diego, and he said, "Coach, I'll come and do whatever you want." So. He loves Mizzou, you know, and he's uh, – so we thought that would be really cool. You know, I've done a, I've done four or five of these kind of interviews, you know, when you're sitting in like a living room, you put yeah. a couple chairs out, put a lamp up, and you just talk. There's no podium. There's no direct things. We'll certainly have some video there because it's going to be in the new south end zone, which is absolutely awesome. We'll have TV screens all over. But uh, it'll really be, you know, be a lot of uh, a lot of fun, and uh, I think it'll be, you know, It'll be really, really, fans will love it because of the intimacy and the honesty and the communications that you have. That's going to be on Friday night, April 10th, the South End Zone at Memorial Stadium for O-Field in Columbia. Why, that end zone is nice, super nice. Do you feel, Gary, do you feel like you played a big part in that? I mean, the success of your team and the amount of attention that it got throughout the community? Well, I think certainly, you know, bringing back and winning at a high level for, you know, the last 10 years we were there, we went to pretty high levels every year. And I think we're fourth in the nation once, fifth in the nation runs three other times we were ranked at the end of the year. So we did a lot of good things. Um, that's, coincidentally, our next project was going to be, after we did the east side expansion with Mike Alden, our next project was going to go, we're going to go to an indoor facility, a 100-yard facility. We felt that something we really needed. We have one, but we needed a full 100-yard uh, facility. So we started on that. We were a couple months in design of that. And I will come one night in the middle of the night and I put a little pad I have and I call Mike all the next day. Mike, if you're going to ask me, so I said to him, first of all, I said, what do you call me at 6 30 in the morning for us? <laughs> well, I'm just telling you, if you're going to ask me what's the best thing we can do for Mizzou football, the best thing we could do is build a own project. Uh, because that's what's happening around the country. And without that, you're never going to be considered a high level school. And so he got it flipped in about two weeks. He had to go through the process through the curators and everything. But he got it flipped. And then uh, slowly it got done at the end. And Jim Sturk did a great job at getting it the direction it needed to go. And, and it is really state-of-the-art. Uh, I was talking to Coach Eli, and I talked to him about, you know, when I came to the uh, situation we were in. And certainly one of the facilities was, uh, you know, we had real facilities issues. He's coming into a, just a, a great college football stadium now in the SEC, and uh, it's we're really looking forward to that. Gary, I saw you at the Eli Drinkowitz uh, introductory press conference wow. in that beautiful show-me room and club and the south end zone, and it was it was great to hear your words about him and your expectations for the program, but I wanted to ask you about Barry Odom. We all like him. He, the former Tiger, man, the guy, I mean, was just a, a life. You thought he would be a Tiger the rest of his life. I'm glad he landed on his feet at Arkansas. How do you evaluate the Barry Odom period as head coach? What do you think happened there ultimately? Well, I, you know, it's, it's hard for me to say. I, I think it's a very, first of all, it's a very difficult job. And most guys get fired. I was speaking at something six months ago, and the guy introduced me and said, at a, at a talk on leadership team, what I was doing, he said, Gary Pinkle's one of the few coaches that has never gotten fired. 
And they start cheering. I got, I got, I got cheers from the stands because I never got fired. But the point I'm trying to make is it's not, it's, it's a, it's a difficult job and things got to go the right way. I'm certain, I'm certain, you know, I think he's coordinator now at Arkansas. Uh, he's going to get another chance at his ability and, you know, he has a couple good years. And I think the big thing he has to do, and he will really, really soul search and evaluate what you would do different and the difference between, you know, getting it going at, at a high level and kind of where it was. So, uh, you know, I'm a very old fan too. So he's on his feet. He's going to be well, and uh, you know, it's just a, it's just a, it's just a tough business. The vibe I got from you that day that Eli was introduced was, you know, hey, ten, eleven, twelve wins. Why wouldn't we shoot for that? We've done that, is what you said, and and you did. I mean, you had this team for a moment there at the top of the mountain. Yeah, yeah, we did that. It was 2007. We ended up fourth in 2013. We ended up fifth. So in that, in that period, we won five divisional championships. Um, so that le- nine of the last eleven years, we were winning. I think in the top fifteen of the nation, winning. And then I then I retired. So um, we, can you get it done at Mizzou? There's no question. There's no question. We need the fans. We need the fan base. That's mammoth because we're in the SEC. Big Twelve wasn't a big a deal. We're in the SEC. The fan base is is, is huge. Uh, and um, I just think Eli's a really good young coach, and uh, hopefully he can. Uh, get the things done to, uh, the, the way it needs to be done. What do you like most about him? What is your impression of him so far? Well, I think he's got a plan. I think he's a, he's, he's young, he's super high energy. And uh, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's got a, you know, offensive plan, defensive plan. He's got a plan for how he wants to operationally run his program. And uh, that's, that's the most important thing because the biggest thing you have to do is you have to earn trust from your players. I don't care who you are. You got to earn trust, and that's how you treat people. That's how you handle adversity. That's how you handle success. That's how you you know you deal with you know issues and players within your team. Whatever you do, the decisions you make, they're they're going to trust gauge every player does. You know, do I trust this guy more or less? And, and, and when you build a team that really really trusts the head coach and, and, and the other leadership on the team, and that's really the leadership coaches have now. Assistant coaches have their leadership, and then you also have you know different group leaders. You pass that and build that, you know, that really build that wall up of trust, and then you guys will jump off buildings for you. A final thing for you, Gary. If you're running by the ocean today, that tells me you're feeling good. How are how's your health, and how are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing good. I try to. I've always tried to take care of myself, you know, because of my situation. Uh, my brother and sister uh, were in wheelchairs. Uh, they had a disease called a rotator spastic paraplegia. So health has always been important. Again, obviously, I got cancer. And it's coming in and out of remission here and there. But I'm doing fine. But I do know this. Anything you read about it, you know, battling cancer, the better condition you are, no matter who you are, the better chance you have for, for fighting and, and beating. And that's all the folks out there that got cancer, you just got to keep battling. Uh, that's what you got to do. You got to get up every day and take one step forward and just keep battling. And that's what I'm doing. And, you know, and I, I, every day I wake up and I feel very fortunate. So. Um, we're doing pretty good, but hey, just I, I thanks for doing this. Uh, you know, on, on the tenth, you know, of April, this will be a great event. And the spring games the next day. Uh, you can go um, to uh, GaryPinkle.com. Uh, you can go to different places to get online to get tickets. And we would love to have a bunch of people from St. Louis there. It'd be great to have you know ten, fifteen, twenty people from St. Louis at the, this event. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get that in evening with. Uh, Chase Daniel and Gary Pinkle. I'm 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 on the side show. He's the main act. Oh, he's awesome, and and so are you. And I, I I would say that in my career of of doing these interviews, 
Tony Larusa, probably the person I interviewed the most. Gary Pinkle is definitely in the top three. Uh, you and I have talked so many times, and I enjoy every single one. It has been an absolute pleasure, again, to have you on KMOX. And this event on April 10th, I hope everybody goes. Gary Pinkle and Chase Daniel, the Show Me Club at Faro Field in the South End Zone facility to support GP Made Foundation and the Tiger Scholarship Fund. Gary, continued success and health to you and your family. Love talking to you. Okay, my friend. God bless you. Bye. You too. There is Gary Pinkle. I'll tell you who else is on that list of top maybe three or four people. In, in terms of number of interviews, would be John Mosellock, the Cardinals president of baseball operations. He's on the line. We have talked quite a bit, haven't we? We have. Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. How are things in Jupiter, Florida? You know, things are going well. Our, our camp has been, it's been a great pace. It's uh, hard to believe that two weeks from today we, we wrap up and we end up in uh, Texas. But, you know, overall, I think the, the key for us is really going to be the health as we, we finish these last two weeks. And, you know, this week had uh, some interesting stuff with obviously Jairo Munoz uh, situation. But, you know, I think when you look at where this club is and the vibe around it, everybody feels really good about it. Do we know anything more about Gyro? Have you been in contact with him, Mo? <laughs> no, I haven't. Uh, I mean, we tried, but um, it was one of those things where, you know, as I was trying to just do the calculus on, on really what's the best situation for us, you know, should we try to trade him? How would we move him? The, the complications and timing of all of it just didn't seem worth it. So um, after talking with people on the staff and, and uh, my staff, it just made sense to just cut the cord. You know, it's unfortunate. Um, he was having a nice camp, but really felt like he should be a, a starting player in the big leagues, I assume. And he knew that probably wasn't going to happen here. So um, went AWOL, and we had to make a decision. I always liked his energy, and I know he has talent, but there is competition there. There's no doubt. I mean, you have Brad Miller in there. You have Edmundo Sosa hits a home run yesterday. Of course, we all know Tommy Edmond can play every position basically on the field. I mean, you, there there's still some competition there. How do you see things looking from that standpoint right now? And tell me a little bit more about Sosa, who knocked one out of the park yesterday. Yeah, well, you touched on it. Um, there, there are a lot of names that are being considered for that 25th, 26-man spot, and Sosa is certainly one of them. Gives you a lot of flexibility because he can play all three infield positions. I think his power has been something that's been emerging over the last couple of years. Um, I, I, I will say, like just from an appearance standpoint, he does look stronger to me in this camp, which I think is very exciting. But, you know, when, when you look at the, the people competing for at-bats, you can't overlook even Max Schrock. I mean, he's someone that has, has had a very good camp. And these guys, um, you know, they're, they're bringing energy to this camp, and, and it's, it's nice to see. And, and so when you're looking at, as we start to, to imagine what this roster is going to look like, you know, clearly there's some decisions that have to be made. But, you know, we really like the, the guys that are competing and how they're going about it. I do like Schrock, that's for sure. Uh, Ravello is somebody who would be a good bat, of course, for you. And I'm not going to hyperventilate over Dylan Carlson, but uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> it's really impressive. And everybody wants to know, is he going to make the team on opening day? The, the, we got to let two weeks play out here. But as you've mentioned over and over, you've also been impressed with others who have been in that competition, and and we can name them. Everybody knows the names: O'Neill, Thomas, etc. There, there are some outfielders. That's a good problem to have, I guess. 
No, it is. And, and you know, it's, it's great to see guys playing at a high level, especially guys that are young and eventually will be very much a part of our, our current club or, or the future of the organization. And so the excitement around those guys is, is, is very real. And I certainly think uh, what Dylan's done up to this point is, has been amazing. The, the key will be what others do as well. So it's not a simple, can't answer it in a vacuum because there's other variables that, that have to be put into to place. But, you know, overall, you have to be impressed with what you're seeing, um, not only from an offensive standpoint, but how he's playing in the outfield. And when you have that conversation, you can't ignore Lane Thomas. You can't ignore Tyler O'Neill. Um, you know, Bader's done well. You know, I think the, the one guy we do need to to start performing, but I know he's working on some things, is, is Fowler. But, you know, ultimately our outfield production and really our offensive production this camp has been uh, encouraging. Just a couple more for you. I really appreciate it. And I'll be down the, in Fort Myers for the game tomorrow, so I look forward to catching up with the club. But uh, Andrew Miller, uh, is he doing any better? What's the latest on him? So I had a brief conversation with him yesterday, and he he definitely felt his bullpen went better, but there's some still some lingering things that that he's not comfortable with, and and so you know I think the biggest question I get on him right now is well what's the likelihood of him being ready by opening day? And I I think as each day gets closer to that decision, it would seem a bit unlikely, but you know at this point haven't made any you know hard line decision there, but I would hope that, you know, some point this week, if he's not in a game, it would be really hard to, to see him ready by opening day. And finally, have we wiped the smile off of Mike Schilt's face? That's probably impossible. What a, what a time he's having married on Friday to his beautiful wife, Michelle. We're so excited for him. How is the skipper doing? You know, Skipper's doing good. I, I would imagine, you know, you've got a lot of excitement, but you're probably weighing in a little bit tired. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, hopefully he can catch his breath over the next uh, few days because that is a whirlwind uh, experience he had. It was a, it was a beautiful ceremony and, and a lovely evening. And, um, you know, I, I think he is uh, he is walking on clouds. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm really happy for him. It's, it's fantastic. And I look forward to seeing you this week. I'll be flying down today. So look forward to catching up, Mo. Thank you, as always, for these visits. All right. See you tomorrow. Be well. See you. Bye-bye. There's the president of baseball operations, John Mozalock, with us on KMOX. We're going to tell some baseball stories. Coming back, Dick Lozer. He is a St. Louis baseball legend, that's for sure. This guy played and played at a very high level when amateur baseball in St. Louis was super competitive. Dick Lozer next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Munkadass St. Louis Honda Sports on a Sunday morning. Munkadass pre-owned on South Limburg on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Welcome back to Sports on a Sunday Morning. Tom Ackerman with you. Cardinal Baseball on the way shortly after noon. Well, we have a great baseball man in the room here. My friend Paul Ross, first of all, is with us. And when Dick Lozer walks in here, he's 91. He'll be 92 in September. He's getting around. We're sitting down, and he's standing up, walking around the room, telling us stories. I don't. How do you do this? So you are a former Cardinals farmhand. You played baseball at Beaumont. You were a terrific player in St. Louis for a number of years, a member of the St. Louis Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame, inducted in 1989. 
What a career. Let's talk some baseball. What do you say? Okay. How are things with you? And by the way, you're out playing golf. I mean, you're doing, uh, you don't, uh, you look like you're uh, 70. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you do, you. How do you do it. How do you do it? <laughs> I don't know. I just don't exercise too much or, you know, a little bit in the morning. And uh, I don't just take it day by day, really. I'm sitting here. Tell, I'm sitting here telling Paul how my shoulder was bothering me last year, so I didn't play a lot of golf. You just played last week. <laughs> yeah, I played. Uh, yeah, I played a couple times last couple weeks. I've played eighteen holes. I yeah. I have no excuses. You were a terrific baseball player. You let's go back to you as a St. Louisan, Beaumont High School teammates with Earl Weaver, Earl Weaver, Roy, Roy Severs, Severs, Bobby Hoffman. Bobby Hoffman played for the great. Giants. Bobby Hoffman for the Giants and Roy with the Browns. And Earl Weaver. Well, everybody knows about Earl Weaver. Everybody knows Earl Weaver, who ended up being one of the great managers of all time for the Orioles. This is a great baseball town. That photo that you showed me of you and Hoffman and Seavers and Weaver on the front steps of Beaumont High School is remarkable. What a great picture that is. We're going to take a picture of that and show it on KMOX.com so everyone can see it. Good. Good. Yeah, it was 1944. What what comes to mind when you think back? That was a World Series year for the Cardinals also, World Championship year. What comes to mind when you think of that team in 1944, Beaumont High School? Yeah, well, we had a a great ball club. Uh, Roy Seavers, I always considered the best pure hitter that ever come out of... uh, you know, out of the St. Louis area. Uh, Mickey Mantle always said, Roy, I think you're going to be the next 400 hitter. That's how good he thought that Roy was. And uh, it was unfortunate that uh, when the Browns were in decline, that they traded him to the Washington Senators, who was probably the worst club in baseball at that time and had the biggest ballpark, but he still had over 300 home runs in his career, Roy, and he was a great guy. He always had a nickname. They called him Squirrel. <clears throat> Not only could he hit, but he was a he was a center basketball player for Beaumont and a heck of a basketball player, really. So uh, it was uh, Roy was a great guy, and uh, so we had a we had a we had a great team that year. Won everything, really. You played basketball, you played soccer, but baseball right. was your love, wasn't it? Oh yeah, it? yeah, baseball was my uh yeah, was my true love, really. You played a little shortstop, but you were a pitcher. Uh, I was I was signed actually I signed in 1945. I got the biggest bonus the Cardinals ever gave at that time, $1100. Joe Graziola got 500. <laughs> I got 1100 and uh that was at that time that was the biggest bonus but in 45 <clears throat> i really didn't go away uh because i wanted to finish my high school so i still i still pitched for beaumont in 46 and then i went away in june that year for uh to pitch for johnson city and from then on uh i kind of went back to high school finished my last half year because I always wanted to get the education, at least high school at that time. So, uh, well, from then on, I, you know, went in, in the baseball pretty much 100%. You had a chance to go to college, right? I could have signed. I had chances to go to uh, Illinois with the uh, the Cubs 
at that time. Uh, but uh, I was in my third year, and I, I you know, I, I love baseball. I didn't want to go back to school that much, but I could have. I had chances with the Yankees and the Cubs and the Reds, and at that time. But I was kind of a cardinal guy, really. So Walter Shannon was their top cardinal scout at that time. So I signed with the Cardinals a little bit earlier than I should have because when we won the uh, when we won the championship in 1946, uh, and I was the pitcher, I was already signed, really. So uh, I couldn't uh, might have got more money at that at that time really maybe so but who's to blame a kid who grows up in st louis and the cardinals come calling i mean that's uh, unimaginable to me and just thinking about it is i'm sure exciting to you just looking back at how you felt at that time oh yeah yeah i uh well well you know from a kid on we follow we were the knot hole gang at the old park and uh Followed, you know, baseball all the way. And, yeah, it's all I wanted to do, really, was baseball. Born in 1928, so in 44, and 42 for that matter. They're winning in 42, 44, 46. They won 42, 43, 44, 46. Right? And so you, those are, I mean, you are a huge fan at that time. What was it like in St. Louis at that time? And, by the way, the Browns were also winning and going to the World Series in 44. Right, right. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was a, it was, of course, I was pretty young then, but, you know, it was, yeah, it was great. It was great following them all the way. Uh, tell me about, so you get to Johnson City. What was the experience like in the Cardinals minor league system? Well, at that time, Johnson City, now they only play, I, I think, in Johnson City from from uh, June to August. At that time, we it started already in March and April, and it was, uh well, it was a nice little town and everything, and it was uh, it was a, a lot of miners around, a lot of betting on baseball at time, a lot of battles with umpires because the fans were always betting at that time. Whenever the game was over, a lot of games and the umpires had to leave the field. We used to have to get around them because the fans would be throwing beer bottles at them. <laughs> Uh, after the ball game, really. So the players had to get around the umpires to take them back to their dressing room, really, back then. It was pretty, this was in the Appalachian League, and that w- that was pretty rough territory back then, really. Were they good to towns. you? Were they good to the players? Oh, yeah, yeah, they were good. We made, yeah, I made a tremendous salary, $125 a month, $3.75 a day for meal money. Now they get $65 a day. The guy told me at Johnson City. So, yeah, it was it was great. <laughs> Where did your travels take you from there? Well, uh, from Johnson City, uh, Johnson City, I went to uh, Allentown. And then uh, and I was in spring training uh, with Rochester. And I played for Columbus, Georgia, uh, played for West Frankfurt. Uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio, Albany, you know, pretty much down south other than Allentown up in the north, really. So played for various teams. Montgomery, Alabama played there. It was my last year in 54 I went in the Army. 
and then you ended up coming back to St. Louis, and you played for Cutis. I played for Cutis and Bourbon Young at at Fairgrounds Park, and sometimes we had a lot of a lot of at that time. A lot of pro players, when they come back, would get signed up by these teams at that time. There were some times on Sundays where we probably outdrew the Browns on Those Sunday are, at Fairgrounds Park. Really. Yeah, just so people realize, I mean, that was big time. I yeah. mean, that was very competitive. And that oh, was yeah. when St. Louis, St. Louis is a great baseball town now, but it thrived. Those were big competitive games. Right. That was, uh, and then you had, you, you had the South Side League and the North Side, and they were always, who was always the best. And at the end, you had a playoff and you drew at fairgrounds. I mean, you drew four or 5,000 people, you know, at those games, really, when you got to the playoffs. <laughs> There's uh, huge crowds. Heine yeah. Miney, right? You played down there? Played down at Heine Miney, Cronolet. Yeah. Then Fairgrounds Park was our main park, really. But, uh, those were all these different leagues. Cronolet, Heine Miney had their league. You had the Hoffmeisters and all sponsored by a lot of these different uh, places and stuff. Kudus had multiple teams, right? So you were on Kudus was a great sponsor. They had soccer teams. He had two baseball teams, Kudus North and Kudus South. Really, and they had the teams were numbered. I think right. So you had Kudus number one. Yeah. Right, which you were on. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I, I guess Kudus South, I would say, would be number two. Really, Kudus North. We were always the better team, but uh, then I I played for Borbine Young, which we won the championship there. That was a that was a great team we had. But a lot of guys coming back from pro ball that didn't make it all the way would sign up with these teams. We'd play. Mainly on Sundays and maybe a night game then during the week, really. But uh, I don't, I don't even know what's going on today anymore. But uh, uh, they don't do that anymore. But back then, that's that's the way it was. It was great. Yeah. No, the cool thing today is softball. You know, they, they all want to go play yeah. softball, which is fine. I yeah. mean, softball is great. You know, you have a, a swing for the fences, and and but also you know still get to play and and play well into. Uh, you know, your 40s, 50s, some do play. Yeah. I, I played down in fantasy camp. There are guys out there in their 60s that are beating me. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, <laughs> they can flat out play. This is uh, Dick Lozer, by the way, a former Cardinals farmhand, a St. Louis Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame member. And a big reason for that is your play after your professional career playing here in St. Louis for a number of those teams. In fact, I think at some point, didn't you transition from pitcher to outfield? Start playing a little outfield, did you? The only outfield I played was when I was in the semi-pro there on Sundays. I played outfield some, but uh, I always liked I liked being a pitcher, but I liked batting. I mean, I liked playing every day, pretty much. I don't, you know, it was kind of crazy, but. Uh, I guess pitching was my best, really. But I played a, I played third base for Albany. I played shortstop for Johnson City, and then I pitched for West Frankfurt and Allentown and Montgomery. And going teams. back to Beaumont, I'm pretty sure that you went undefeated in your last year at Beaumont. Is that right? Yeah, we went. Yeah, we, yeah, we went undefeated. I don't, and even in my first year in '44, I don't think we were ever beaten in. Uh, when we had Roy and those uh, Hoffman and those players. Really. Again, if you didn't catch the beginning of this interview, we're talking about 
Roy Severs, Earl Weaver, Dick Lozer, great pitcher, uh, Bobby Hoffman. Yeah, Jimmy Goodwin was a great pitcher with our team, went to the White Sox for a while. Then I played That's with... That's five. Yeah. Who who went on to play professionally in right. an organization. Right. There were more, I'm right. sure. Right. How would you describe St. Louis as a baseball town? Just what was... What did it mean to the city? We know what it means today and, and how much the Cardinals are a part of it. What what did it mean growing up? Was it an automatic that you grew up in St. Louis and got into baseball? What was it like then? Or was that a – did you have a choice or, or was baseball sort of a given? Well, when I, when I uh, was young, uh, I was fortunate to have a gentleman that kept – Took us out to a field and he'd hit baseballs to us all day long. We'd play every day in the summer from morning till night. Uh, and then I got into soccer. I'd say St. Louis back then was baseball, big soccer town. Because yes. you had your big soccer teams, the Hoffmeisters, the National Slug, uh, the, the, a lot of those, the Olympic soccer, St. Louis Olympic soccer uh, came from Perini. They came from St. Louis, from the hill. So in the, in the summer, it was baseball. And then at the same fairgrounds park, then, was a big soccer. I mean, they'd pack him in there for soccer <clears throat> at fairgrounds park back then. You had some great, great soccer players. I mean, think about come that. Out of here. In 1950, you had the, the U.S. World Cup team knocks right. off England, right. basically made up of St. Louis guys. Right, right, from the hill, most of them. And you great were... Great soccer team. And you're 21, 22 years old then. Right. So, I mean, that's right in the middle of everything for you. Yeah. Dick Loser, we've gone over here, but, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you forever about that. If it, <laughs> Just uh, before we go, and we appreciate you, you're a big listener of this show. Right. So that means a lot. It means we're doing something right over here. But uh, just your overall, when you look back at your career in baseball, and a career that keeps going, by the way, because you're out hitting the, the little white ball around all right. the time and staying competitive, what are you most proud of? Well, I, uh, one thing I I'm, I I'm, I don't know. I can't really say I'm. I guess I, I'm I'm proud that I'm still around at this time. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I always felt like I love baseball, but I always underneath I always felt like I I quit. I went in the service, uh, never really went the one hundred percent. Always been a little disappointed that I wasn't able to say, "Well, I give it everything I had," and they told me, "You're done. You ain't got it anymore." Uh, I'm always a little disappointed in myself that that I quit baseball when I did, even though I played semi-pro ball and stuff. But when I did play pro ball and got out of the service, I should have given it a little longer shot till I said that, uh, hey, you're, you ain't got it anymore. You're done, really. But uh, I've always been a little disappointed about that. But, uh, you know. Well, two things. One, that there are a lot of people listening right now that can relate to that because we all wanted to be great at a sport and maybe look back and we can relate, but you were great at the sport, and I'll say this, that's the competitor in you. That's you wanting to be the best you possibly can be and always looking back in that way. That's at least the way I look at yeah. it. Because that's a great story. You ask anybody with the St. Louis Amateur Baseball Hall of Fame, they'll say great things about Dick Lozer, who is in 
that Hall of Fame. He's one of the greats in St. Louis, and it's been great to have you on KMOX. You're a big part of uh, St. Louis baseball history. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. We'll take a break. We'll come back right after this on America's Sports Voice, home of the Cardinals, KMOX. It's 11.54, Cardinal Baseball coming up in just about 50 seconds. We're going to take you to Jupiter, Florida, where the Cardinals are taking on the Marlins today, and Dakota Hudson is the pitcher. Jack Flaherty has had his contract renewed. That is part of the Cardinals' announcement just before the game. They've agreed to terms and signed one-year contracts for the 2020 season with 24 players. They have renewed the contract of Jack Flaherty. They have agreed to terms among the team's zero to three Major League Service time players. Among those players, John Brebia, Henesis Cabrera, Junior Fernandez, who has a good chance of maybe closing for this team. He's been really good. Giovanni Gallegos would fall into that category, too. Austin Gomber, Ryan Helsley, Jordan Hicks, Dakota Hudson, Daniel Ponce de Leon, Alex Reyes, Tyler Webb, Jake Woodford, Andrew Kisner, Tommy Edmond, and many others have also fallen into that category. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.